This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 92, recorded April 11th, 2012. He is truly risen, indeed. Welcome to This Week in Prayer Room Companion. I am Chris Bergwald, and back with us once again after Holy Week. It's Easter Week. It's... Father Andrew Dickinson. Hey! Happy Easter, Father. Christos Anesti. Uh, I don't know what it is. I haven't looked it up in a year. Christos uh, Resurrexit? No. Yeah, uh, Resurrexit. No, that's, no, no, that's not good either. <laughs> You're going Regina Chaley on me there. Yes, I am. He is risen indeed. What is the, what is the Greek? Aletos Anesti. Aletos Anesti. This is how I remember it. Yeah, yeah. The Paschal greeting. Amen, amen. Uh, so, um, today, Father and I are going to talk about the resurrection a little, actually, a little bit. It seems rather appropriate, but we wanted to start off because we forgot to do this after our long hiatus of a few weeks, a few weeks ago, and give you the uh, the, the ways to contact us. And Father doesn't know this because I didn't tell him before we went on the air. <gasps> but we also have a prize, Father, to offer. Ooh. to one lucky listener this week. Um, so it, it, uh, we, we always encourage you to um, to give us feedback, any questions you have about one of the episodes, um, any any topics that you'd like us to address. Um, we, we're happy to uh, to get your input and uh, take those in, things into consideration and try to answer whatever questions you might have. So uh, feel free to send me an email. Um, at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. That's C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org if you, uh, if you want to contact us for any reason. Um, if you want to contact Father, it's just it's not possible because he's a priest and is therefore inaccessible. Unreachable! <laughs> um, Living in an ivory tower. Ivory tower. Ivory. Uh, but, <clears throat> just to make this a little more interesting, I happen to have... Um, at least one extra copy of Father Robert Barron's excellent book, Catholicism, which is uh, the companion, in a sense, to his also most excellent video series, uh, Catholicism. Um, funny, the title of that. Uh, anyway, and I am going to give it away to the first listener who emails me. Ooh. So all you have to do is email me. Be the first one to email me, and I... Um, uh, tell me your name. Tell me. Well, I need your mailing address to send you the book, and uh, why you listen to Prayer Room Companion, and I will mail you a copy of Father Robert Barron's Catholicism. Book. I, I think the title is his excellent book, Catholicism. His most excellent book, Catholicism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As opposed to his most reverend book. Well, I was thinking more of the Bill and Ted thing, actually. But anyway, so, so. So, um, yeah, so please uh, feel free to uh, email me with your name, address, and why you listen, and uh, I'll, I'll get that out to you um, promptly. Uh, but today, Father, a resurrection. Christus resurrexit. Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> the reason for how, the season. Uh, the reason for the season. How, how was, uh, just a more pragmatic, or not, I don't know, pragmatically. So every day, chitty question. How how was uh, Easter Sunday Mass, Father? Oh, uh, nice. It's a little different here uh, with the Newman Center uh, because eighty uh, percent of my parishioners leave uh, for Easter. <laughs> yes. So, uh, 
But uh, at my small uh, mission parish, it was very nice. Uh, actually, uh, I did my first ever confirmation. Got to uh, smear the chrism on someone's forehead, uh, accept them in the church, and confirm them. Uh, the uh, husband of one of our parishioners uh, joined the church, and so that was very exciting for us. Now, did you do that in, during Mass, or was it uh, apart from Mass? In Mass. In very mass. nice. We don't do an Easter vigil uh, for the parish there, and so uh, we did on Easter morning then. Okay. So cool. Different. Yeah. Did you, uh, for, I know for priests in particular, the Holy, well, Lent, but in particular Holy Week, and especially the Triduum, um, are, uh, uh, you've got a lot to do. Um, even though, you know, maybe you're in a different situation, I know that you, you uh, still helped out at some of the different liturgies elsewhere. Um, did you get some rest after Easter Sunday morning? I did. Well, even during the Triduum, I was able to get some uh, rest, at least at night, because as I said, 80% of my student uh, or my parishioners were gone, so I got some nice sleep. Um, I still, you know, I, during Holy Week, I managed to hear uh, over 11 hours of confessions. Wow. Uh, and so on Easter Sunday after uh, Mass, I uh, um, had a seminarian who was here with me over the Triduum, and so he and I had a little uh, steak and eggs for lunch. And then I took a nap and went down and visited my mom for the rest of Easter Sunday and part of Easter Monday. So, nice. Nice. Yeah. Good. Um, we, uh, we, with the young kids, even we started going, a couple years ago, started going to the, going to the vigil. I mentioned this last week with, with Kevin and Renee when we were talking about the Triduum. Um, and it worked out actually pretty well. Our, our uh, vigil, we had 21 baptisms, uh, but it actually the vigil ended up being about two hours and 15 minutes. So uh, it wasn't was it too long for the kids, fortunately. Went home and they got to watch a, a movie and have uh, some treats. So um, trying to do some things to, you know, <laughs> for a little kid, you know, it, it's hard. It's tough to beat Christmas, you know. <laughs> um, but trying to... Uh, do what we can to, to build up a Catholic culture and a, and a Catholic sensibility. Um, and so you give them sugar and you let them watch movies is basically. Yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, it says Catholic like sugar and movies. Exactly. <laughs> but one thing we also do um, is uh, as part of our prayer during the Easter season, the last thing we do before the sign of the cross at night, when we pray, our, our family prayer, I say, Jesus is risen. And they know we started doing last year and they, they remember he's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Uh, so the resurrection again. That's so, that's so British. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. Uh, I, I, I forbade my parishioners from saying indeed. I said, we're going to say true, he is truly risen. Really? Yes, truly. <laughs> what do you have against the British, for goodness sake? Uh, I don't know. All right. Could it be the whole, like, years of oppression in the colonial years? I don't know. Wow, oppression, yeah. Anyway. Trying to we, invade uh, us. I mean, 1776, 1812, uh, uh, and then uh, the Beatles. I mean, just come on. Oh, wow. Then the Rolling Stones are touring again, for crying out loud. And now Adele. There's a new British invasion. Who? Never mind. You're so out of touch. Uh, anyway. <laughs> just remember, nothing, nothing is quite so quickly out of date as the up-to-date. I said you're out of touch, not out of date. Uh, so the, it doesn't work. Anyway. Um, and hard of hearing. <laughs> um, resurrection, Father. So what? 
So good. So good. So good. All right, so the um, resurrection. What yeah. is the resurrection? Yep. Okay, let's go maybe like overly simple. Yep. All right, so overly simple, the resurrection is Jesus, after three days lying stone dead in the tomb, by his own power, rises from the dead. He was not externally defibrillated. Uh, he was not uh, by someone else's power, but by his own power as the Son of God, rose from the dead. How come the Bible says he was raised if it was by his own power? Well, yeah, I mean, God, him. Yes. The Bible? You're supposedly familiar with that thing. You keep telling me. <laughs> by his power is God. God raised him, Jesus from the dead. And that's just, I think, part of that way of, you know, look at the mystery of the incarnation, the two divine persons in one God. So the, the human person, Jesus Christ, is human nature, is human soul, is human body, uh, was raised by the power of the divine person. Yeah, oftentimes I think actually the it's referring to the Father. Um, it, you see both. He was he ra he rose from the dead, but also the the reality of the, the Trinitarian action. He was risen. He was raised. Um, I know I know you're going to be simplistic. I just had to uh, briefly complicate things. So right at the yeah. very beginning, my overly simplistic, you go overly complicated. Exactly. It just makes it more interesting that way. Dream breaker or dream maker? Dream. <laughs> so, yeah, so Jesus was dead. I mean, you know, some of the theories, people coming, uh, come up with all sorts of goofy uh, ideas or attempts to refute it. Well, he didn't really die. He didn't really die on the cross. Um, okay. So he was horribly mutilated, bleeding out, um, stabbed in the side. He somehow managed to uh, crawl Stand away. Stand in the heart. Yeah. Crawl away, and three days later, hey, as good as new. Woo-hoo. Um, no. The other thing, too, I think, you know, it's – and sometimes I think it might be more popularly, um, we, we, we think of the resurrection as basically returning to the same form of life we have now, except you'll never die again. Right. You know, so oftentimes the, the point is made. So the point is made though that uh, he was not resuscitated. He did not resuscitate himself. He was resurrected. He he rose again into a new form of life, uh, a glorious state. Um, still the same man in his human nature, but in a glorified way, a form of existence different from what it was before. So it was not like Lazarus. Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, um, but Lazarus returned to the same form of life and eventually later down the road, he died again. Um, but Jesus uh, rose again and will never die again because resurrection is a completely different thing that, well, not completely different. It's a different form of existence than resuscitation. Uh, and I think sometimes just when we, you know, just a lot of people don't aren't aware of that that nuance, but it's an important distinction, right? Very important. Um, and we're starting to quickly get out of the area of uh, simplistics, but uh, I would like to come back to that. Yep, go ahead. And it's kind of our simplistic thing on what the resurrection is. Yep. Okay. And so... Um, and, and we see, you know, simple proofs uh, or, or demonstrations of that by the post-resurrection accounts where he's walking through uh, walls, um, he's, he still has wounds uh, on his hands and his feet and his side, okay, that no longer are sources of pain but are in some way 
uh, signs of his glory. Right. The, different. Yeah, he can't. Yeah, yeah. Lazarus couldn't walk through walls. No. Now, if, if he was given. if he, he had to be untied, whereas Jesus did not have to be untied. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a different form of so so how do we know though okay all right so resurrection is different form of life da, 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 da. well that's what you say well how do you know all right so he really died but how do we know that he was resurrected that he rose again well uh, I think there's kind of two choices well obviously there's two choices either he was or he wasn't right 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 let's just look at uh, he wasn't for a moment right. As uh, someone with some agnostic scholars recently published or purported that the um, Shroud of Turin uh, is actually uh, what people, is the actual burial cloth of Jesus, but that's what people saw. They didn't see the resurrected Jesus, they saw the burial cloth, and this led them to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead, even though they were just seeing a cloth. Um, or uh, some other people say that the uh, apostles and the disciples had a mass hallucination. Uh, or others will say that uh, to save face, they made up this lie. Right? Yep. And these options. Now, what, whatever theory you want to choose, the fact remains that then these 12 uneducated, cowardly men, or 11 at this point, uneducated and cowardly men, then went in very boldly, very very uh, with great personal risk including for 10 of the 11 death went to them began to proclaim uh, that this crucified Jesus was the Lord of heaven and earth the only son of God and that he had risen from the dead so either they're in all in some ways complete lunatics uh, or they're horrible liars if he didn't rise from the dead. And right. I find it very, very hard to fathom how these men would die for the sake of their lives. I mean, men will suffer for their lies, right? You know, and we'll, we'll lie and we'll keep lying sometimes to try and cover up for lies and, you know, future lies and, and things of that sort. But to, to suffer and die for lies... Or to die for lies is a totally different thing, because usually the liar lies to protect their own ego. And death is the last thing. I mean, and usually the coward and the egotistical maniac doesn't want to suffer that. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're, they lie to protect something. Well, if you're, you're not going to have anything left to protect if you're killed because of the lie. So, uh, it, it, yeah, exactly. It, it makes no sense to say... Um, well, uh, yeah, I'm just going to repeat what you just said. The, the, the alternative is that they died for a lie, which makes no sense at all. And, and with the whole hallucination thing, well, somehow they managed to convince thousands of people of the truth of their hallucination. If I ran into somebody who, who claimed something crazy, uh, like the idea of uh, that Jesus of Nazareth was uh, rose from the dead in a new form of life, Oh, okay, I'm going to go along with it. No, I mean, if I think he's crazy, I'm not going to believe it. But somehow they were so persuasive and somehow they, they, they um, confirmed the truth of what they had to say uh, that, that people, thousands of people believed them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. That, that just strains credulity, as I love to say. Yep, yep. So, yeah, so 
How do we know? I mean, it's it's certainly true that nobody was actually there. Uh, at least no human beings were there to witness the resurrection. But the, oh. there is an empty tomb. There is. Go ahead. Well, uh, Matthew's accountant from the soldiers. You're right. You're right. You're right. We don't have any eyewitness accounts. That's what I've read in the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have any eyewitness accounts of the resurrection. Let me let me revise and amend my statement that way. We we don't have the 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 soldiers' accounts of the resurrection. Um, but there is no it, is you know Father Father Mason, uh, pastor at our parish uh, here in Sioux Falls, points out you you can't go to the 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 tomb of Jesus. I mean, you yeah. you can go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is where the empty tomb is, but people did not in the first century go to the tomb where Jesus of Nazareth was buried because he was no longer there. He had risen from the dead. Um, yeah. So even though nobody was there to see it, we have these witnesses who saw him afterward and affirmed that he is truly alive in a new form of existence. Right. So that's kind of the basics of what the resurrection is. So I'd started to get into what it is not, and, and you want to go back. Is there anything else in terms of what it is not that you think is worth addressing? What it is not? Yeah. Well, it's it's not uh, um, it's not resuscitation. It's not reincarnation. Yep. Um, it's not uh, a um, a spiritual resurrection, if you will. It's not that um, his something happened to his spirit or his soul, some sort of exalting in that way. Mm -hmm. Something really happened to his body. And um, we'll get to a little bit more on what that means in a moment, some deeper stuff. Um, it's a, there's a great book. For anyone that's a real nerd that likes reading 800-page books, so apparently not Dr. Birdwald. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a great, great little book uh, called The Resurrection of the Son of God. Uh, it's a biblical history book. Uh, written by a Anglican bishop, uh, N. T. Wright, W. R. I. G. H. T. N. T. Wright, the Resurrection of the Son of God, eight hundred some pages, and what he does though is he goes, he looks at the different concepts of life after death in the uh, surrounding cultures to uh, Jerusalem at the time of Christ, and his historical documents. What did they believe about death? What did they believe about life after death? What did they believe about the person, to the soul, and things like that and just catalogs all these things, and then goes and looks at what the scriptures say the resurrection is, and he says, these are not the same. Mm -hmm. That the resurrection is something truly different, something very Yeah. Um... Sorry about that. Are you there? Yep. Can you hear me? Okay, sorry. Can you hear me? Um, no, it, 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 it suddenly it muted. Um, so, sorry, what was the last point you were making? Well, just uh, that uh, the resurrection is something that's completely um, completely and uniquely Jewish uh, right. and also Christian. Something that only corresponds to a Jewish Christian worldview. It doesn't respond to the Greeks, to the Zoroastrians, to the Egyptians, to the Romans. It's something very... Uh, very unique in that way. 
It's, it's, so, and, and I think that's valuable because some of the things you hear um, the angry atheist, the new atheist saying today is that uh, resurrection account, well, that's just taking um, various Greek myths or other, other religious myths and applying that to this, but, but to, to this particular man, Jesus of Nazareth. But that's not what the resurrection is. As you said, it's, it's something completely new, um, a new for lack of a better word right now, theory about human existence after death in human history, right? Right. Yeah, I read that much of the book. <laughs> well, then he goes into painstaking detail to show how that isn't and then show what exactly it is and, and what that uh, promises about ourselves. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, um, anything else about what isn't that you think is worth uh, sharing? Um, I don't think so. Okay. So, um, one of the things about the resurrection, it, because sometimes you do hear uh, some Christians saying, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. The important thing is Jesus' message. Um, you know, whether or not he actually rose from the dead, you don't have to get caught up in proving that, because the important thing is to love one another. Uh, St. Paul, uh, in the first century, refuted that <laughs> by basically saying, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're morons. Um, yeah. That's my translation. Um, we're all fools. That, that, that everything hinges on the truth of the resurrection. If just Jesus didn't rise from the dead, dead, then our faith is in vain. I mean, the entire gospel of Jesus Christ, the entire me the actual message of Jesus Christ, um, is not maybe not completely meaningless, but loses a good chunk of its value and purpose and meaning if he didn't rise from the dead. Uh, the resurrection is central to to our faith as Christians. Very much so. I mean, this is this is at the heart, and it's beautiful that when you look at it a little more, and you you develop a greater biblical theology, and as you read the scriptures, it's so very Jewish. It's so very much at the core of kind of our Catholic uh, uh, worldview in this way, especially the whole idea that um, God created the world, and He doesn't want the world to enter into death, and so the resurrection then is that final little shout that final little victory for creation and life, uh, the life that God created. Right, and it points to, and, and, and not just the life we have now, not just the life that Adam and Eve had, but this new form, this new state of existence, a glorified state, uh, even greater than um, what we had now, even greater than what Adam, Adam and Eve had experienced before the fall um, in paradise that we're meant for more, that we're created for more, even than, even than this life, let alone beyond death. So, um, so, so if, if somebody said, well, what does resurrection, resurrection matter? I think that's one initial thing, St. Paul's point. And why is that true? Well, it's because Jesus died for our sins. I mean, if, if, if Jesus didn't come just to teach us certain things, he also came to redeem us. Uh, and if he didn't rise from the dead, then um, death has does have the victory. Death does have the sting. Sin still does reign. Um, but it's because Christ rose from the dead that he is victorious. And by extension, through baptism and the other sacraments, we too can be and will be, hopefully, victorious over sin and death ourselves. Even though, like him, we might ex we will experience it, um, unless he comes before then. Uh, we, will, we will die, but death does not have the last word uh, because of the resurrection. 
Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Any other thoughts on, you know, okay, what's the relevance in the sense? So what? What does the resurrection matter to me? Well, uh, for one point, I mean, it, it also means that your body has meaning in this world. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a heresy in uh, the early church, and still in some ways there's strains of this heresy today. Uh, we might call it Manichaeism. Manichaeanism. Want to be fancy. Uh, just where they... Uh, um, this belief that the body doesn't matter, that the soul is the only thing that matters. What we find is that, no, there's a great and important meaning to the body, and so that the actions that we do in our body uh, will have a meaning, will have a purpose uh, into uh, eternity. Uh, whereas, uh, and the body has an importance. And so some people might like to disregard the body in that way. Oh, I can, you know, get a radical amount of tattoos or the sins I make in my body don't matter. Um, no, there certainly is a, a matter or there certainly is a, a point to change. Right. As you, I think um, as, as a senior in high school when I realized <laughs> uh, hold on just one second. So, you know that thing we say every Sunday at Mass called the Creed? Yeah. Which I had said every Sunday for all of my life at that point. Um Let's see, the creed, this is a new translation. Um, I look forward to the resurrection and the de of the dead and the life of the world to come. So I said that every Sunday, but I, it, it wasn't until I realized, my, my thought was, I think, sort of that common, it's in the air, it's in the culture. Heaven will be my soul perfectly happy. Exactly, angels on wings, fathers, yeah. the little wing thing. Um, that's not the Christian Catholic understanding of heaven. What you're just saying, our bodies are part of who we are. Our I, I don't just wear a body. Um, my body is part of my person, my humanity. We're in a bird wall suit. What's that? We're in a bird wall suit. Yeah, exactly. We're in a bird wall suit. No, it, it, I am my body. I, I, I don't say, you know, I'm looking out the window right now. I don't say, oh, my body's looking out the window. My eyes are looking out the window. No, I am looking out the window. Yeah. I am this union of body and soul together, and the centrality of that is demonstrated, as you were noting, by the, by the, res uh, the resurrection. Well, and also the, the very neat uh, point as well that uh, we often feel frustrated right now in earthly life by the fact that our body doesn't always do what our soul wants, or our body and our soul seem to be at odds against each other, especially maybe our passions, our desires, kind of at odds to uh, the desires of our soul. I don't want to cheat, I don't want to hurt this person, I don't want to do this bad thing, but the appetite of my body says otherwise, do it. Um, the promise of the resurrection says that there'll be a time um, and an aspect where in, in my body, I'll be able to, my soul, my body will be in union, be able to do those things. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a very beautiful process. And it will be a glorified body. So, uh, yeah, you can. Most of us, including me, can rejoice in that fact. <laughs> so. So what? what so what's what's uh, just a couple of minutes maybe wrapping up? What do you think? Uh, uh, maybe some common theological speculations to what the glorified body will be like. Oh, uh, um, well, you you already alluded to. We see some of it in Jesus, and the fact that he. Um, He's able to appear in the midst of the disciples. You know, that's been understood different ways. Does that mean he can, does he, did he pass through the wall? Or can he just sort of, 
um, transport himself immediately to wherever. So could I, you know, it's sort of like the, uh, the Star Trek transporter on steroids. I can think myself where I want to be and be there instantaneously. A portable transporter. Exactly. Um, we, what exactly it means to say it's glorified, we also see that, but we should have mentioned this, we see a hint of that in the transfiguration as well, um, that somehow our, our, our bodies and our souls will be radiant with the light of God. What exactly that means, who knows? Um, it means we'll we're going to be... Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, uh, one of my favorite little speculations is how old, you know, what's the age of the yeah. body? Because like, if you think about it, I mean, my body isn't, I mean, my body is always my body, but my body has been different from when I was an infant, to when I was a teenager, to now, to what I'll be like when I'm 50, to what I'll be like when I'm you know, 70. My body is still going to be my body, but it's going to be different. And so like yeah. some theologians would speculate that the body would be the equivalent of 33 years of maturity. Uh, because, of course, that was the age at which our Lord rose from the dead. Yeah, it, 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 you certainly don't see... You, the consensus seems to be that it will be, as you said, a mature, so an adult state, whether it's 33 or 23, I don't know, but, but uh, that does that is a very common opinion, that it would be 33. Um, as you noted earlier, the question about your specu- my speculation, so these are things that right now we don't know. We'll find out at some point, obviously but their best guesses, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Probably I, their I, best guesses. They might just be wild guesses. They might be wild guesses. You know, some of the saints, even during their lives on Earth, uh, pre-resurrection, were able to bilocate. I wonder if that might be part of the glorified state as well. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So. I know someone who has a story of encountering a bilocating saint. Really? Yeah. A priest who encountered uh, Padre Pio. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And Two places at the same time. So, anyway, yeah. So, uh, I guess the uh, in the end we'll hopefully find out one day. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, anything else, Father? Or we uh, call it a day. Eat some candy. Amen. I myself am enjoying uh, peanuts, nuts, and other legumes that I gave up during lunch. Other legumes. And uh, for those of you who do, uh, try to observe Fridays. Every Friday is a day of penance, and whatever you do that. Remember, every day of Easter week is a solemnity. So this Friday is a solemnity. So uh, rejoice in the resurrection and celebrate and uh, keep the penance for the following Friday. Yes. Yeah, so. Anyway, with that, that's it. Again, if you have any questions, feel, feel free to email me, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. Until next time, God bless. Hallelujah. <laughs>